It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. We got the Thursday edition of Locked On Rams. You guys know what that means. We are doing our schedule preview series. We are up to week 10. We're coming off the bye, coming back from London against the Cincinnati Bengals. And we have got the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. We're excited to have Tony Serino here from Locked On Steelers. Tony, how you doing, my man? Very good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I am doing awesome. We love these crossovers. Get to talk to all the other hosts around the country, uh, especially from teams that we don't get to really uh, play against very often, and that's the Steelers and heading out to Pittsburgh. And want to talk to you about a couple things. Obviously, some of the uh, falling outs that's happened out in Pittsburgh over the last season, kind of the regrouping of getting this team. No more drama, it seems like. Want to touch on that. We'll look at the offense and defense and how you guys are coming along in this offseason. And then we'll kind of just break down uh, the season, the schedule, looking at week 10 and all of that. So I want to start with the drama. Obviously, you guys were, you know, all in the mix last year on everything that was going on from Le'Veon not wanting to play and looking for the new contract. And then, you know, Antonio Brown getting up and basically demanding a trade. And now he's out uh, in Oakland with the Raiders. So how how is the the feeling around this team right now, now that they kind of washed their hands with all of that? Currently, I think... Steeler Nation has gotten beyond the Le'Veon thing, beyond AB, uh, and they're they're ready for football again, and they're ready for this team to focus on football again, right? This has been the AB drama. I mean, it started in December with him missing that final game of the year, and then that rolled into everything that happened in the offseason and and all the drama around he and and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but but this team has just had drama surrounding it for so long now. Like you said, with the Le'Veon Bell situation, will he will he not sign that contract? Um, you go back to the Martavis Bryant thing. He was suspended for a year. Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator, got into a bar fight uh, a couple years back, right? This team has just had drama around it. I think Steeler Nation is finally ready to put all that behind them now and just get back to Steeler football. And I think that's really going to be the focus in 2019. Right. The drama is over. Well, hopefully for you guys. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the drama is over. Yeah. (laughs) And we were talking about kind of this running back market and, you know, out here in L.A., we've got Melvin Gordon with the Chargers looking for a new contract. We talked about Zeke Elliott looking for a new contract. Uh, Our guy and Todd Gurley, we paid him last year, 65 million, 45 million guaranteed, something like that. Some crazy number that he produced this last year, but got a little banged up. There's a lot of questions about his knee coming out of the situation that you are. uh, Do you guys wish you had paid Le'Veon or are you glad that they kind of, you know, put their foot down and said, hey, we're not going to be bullied into a contract? You know, it's something that this is something that Chris, my co-host, and I just talked about uh, yesterday on the podcast. Um, we talked about you know in the alternate reality where the Steelers do sign Le'Veon Bell to a long-term deal. What would that have done to the, not only this team in 2019 but to their future prospects, right, paying a running back that much? Because when you look at the 2018 Steelers, right, they really lost Le'Veon. I mean, Le'Veon Bell left this offseason. He's now a New York Jet, but he really left last year. Right? He didn't play at all last year. So this team had to replace him and did in James Conner. And I think a lot of Steeler fans and, and the Steelers themselves are very happy with what they have in James Conner. And they're paying James Conner $800,000 a year right. on his rookie deal. 
So I, I think you know the alternate reality where they sign Le'Veon Bell, it all of a sudden means that some of the free agent guys they went out and got this year, they wouldn't have been able to, right? Guys like Steven Nelson and Mark Barron in to, to bolster that defense. They brought in Dante Moncrief to try and you know alleviate some of the loss of Antonio Brown. I don't know that those moves would have been would have been able to be made. But also, they re-signed Ben Roethlisberger to a huge contract. I mean, the, he's the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL as of the 2020 season. Would they have been able to make that move if they had Le'Veon on the books? You know, paying a running back in this market where it's becoming, I think, so so clear that while there are guys in the league that probably deserve to make top money, boy, you know, the, the difference between that top guy and your quote-unquote average running back just isn't what it used to be. And, and you can get away with just bringing that next guy off the bench. Yeah, James Conner definitely proved that to be true. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure Austin Eckler is out here waiting for his opportunity to make that true as well. Uh, we'll see how it kind of all plays out. Uh, and as we're talking about, you know, seeing how it plays out, Mike Tomlin, been there for a while, had some really highs, gone through some downs as of late. But the team has still really found a way to compete, whether if it's making the playoffs or not. They've still found a way to always seem like a scary team you don't want to go face. What's Mike Tomlin's future look like with the team is this a big telling year for him it I think it is and I don't know that it should be you know Pittsburgh has been a a city and an organ and the Steelers have been an organization that they just don't change head coaches right they go through some lulls Bill Cowher back in the day went through some lulls during the Cordell Stewart era and all of that but that team got right back and you know got Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl right you know Bill, the Bill Cowher era you know, it had its ups and downs the Mike Tomlin era is a bit different because he inherited Ben Roethlisberger and so the expectation level for this team has been Super Bowl or bust pretty much every year. And when you look back at what's happened in the past couple years in Pittsburgh, specifically going back three years, that loss to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and then everything that's happened since then. The year following, they go, the Steelers go 13-3. and They have an embarrassing loss to the Jaguars at home in the playoffs. You follow that up with a 9-6-1 and season where they don't make the playoffs. Um, it, it is. It, there, there are a lot of Steeler fans who I think are, you know, uneasy about the future of Mike Tomlin and whether or not he is the right coach for this team going forward. Did this team squander that killer B era with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? And and how is this team now with Mike Tomlin, you know, who is not in a contract year, but this is usually the year that the Steelers will give their their head coach an extension. And I don't think they're going to do that. So it does kind of put him in a lame duck type season. How does he answer that? How does this team? answer that it's it's an interesting time for the Steelers I don't I think Mike Tomlin ultimately does get an extension but it's 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 weird it, it feels weird in Pittsburgh yeah it's crazy you're talking about a team that came off a 9-6-1 and one record which we got to figure out this tie thing I can't stand a tie in the NFL it drives me crazy but second in the AFC North and it's weird like you mentioned it kind of feels like for a lot of teams around the NFL 9-6-1 and six and one, it would be something that you know you kind of could be a little proud of at least, but not in Steelers yeah, Nation. Not in Pittsburgh. Not Pittsburgh, man. That, like you said, they kind of yeah. have that Super Bowl or bust every year, uh, which it's funny. The Rams are finally having that talk in the last couple of years. As last year was kind of, are you moving all in for it? You get to the Super Bowl, and now again, everyone looks and goes, well, what's next? Okay, Super Bowl again. And that's kind of a new you know, feeling out here, but not in Pittsburgh. Uh, you talked about extending uh, Ben Roethlisberger, giving him a bunch of money. This is a guy that talked about retiring a couple years ago. Uh, he seems to kind of put that in the past, you know, for looking at nine and six, uh, what what are the expectations for him this year to really, without a couple of those big players, obviously we know we talked about James Conner can really fill in, did great, but uh, are there, is there more pressure on him this year than there was in the past? 
Well, I, th- I don't think it's any different than it was in 2018, right? Because they, they lost Le'Veon Bell, so they were going to have to rely on Ben Roethlisberger more, and they did, right? He, they th- the Steelers threw the ball almost 700 times last year. I mean, you know, he, he led the league in attempts, and he also led the league in, in yards. He also led the league in interceptions, which uh, has a lot, a lot of Steelers fans look back at 2018, and half the fan base thinks Ben had a great year, and half the fan base thinks, listen, you didn't lead the league in interceptions. I don't care how many yards you threw. That's bad. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I, look, there's definitely going to be pressure on him. There's pressure on a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, right? There's so many questions now. Look, he's had a great couple years, but how does Juju respond to being the number one guy now? He's not going to have Antonio Brown there. You know, for Ben, it, it could be more freeing for him because, you know, Antonio was such a personality in that locker room and, uh, you know, demanded the football, rightly so. Uh, but Ben's going to have a little more leeway now. You know, he's got an offensive coordinator that he likes in Bruce Arians. They, they You know, he kind of drove Todd Haley out of town, and Haley kind of probably had to go you know, for, uh, for other reasons, but uh, Ben and him didn't get along anyway. So, you know, he's got an offensive coordinator he likes. He's now got Antonio Brown, you know, off, off the team, and, and he can kind of just, you know, work this offense himself and work Juju in and some of the other y- younger receivers. Um, but the offense is definitely going to flow through him, and, and this team is going to win and lose by the performances of Ben Roethlisberger on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, you talk about him and Todd Haley not getting along. Who does get along with Todd Haley? I mean, watching yeah, some of that, yeah, watching that, watching that hard knocks, man. He's a tough guy to to get along with, and that was kind of funny as those guys were kind of at each other uh, during that. But uh, what we'll do is we'll step aside, we'll take a break. Got a couple more questions for you on the offense side of the ball, then we'll flip it over, talk some defense, and then start looking into uh, the 2019 schedule. This is Locked On Rams, Locked On Steelers crossover. We'll be right back on the Thursday edition. In fact, before we kick it over to the next segment, guys, don't forget, I want to talk to you really quick about BlueChew.com. Yeah, that's right. We're talking boner pills here, and it is important, guys. You think you guys are the good stuff. You got it all. But everyone can use a little boost in the bedroom. Just ask your girlfriend. Not going to name names. All us guys think we're performing champs. Well, guess what? BlueChew.com is here to make sure you are. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Seattle, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewables, they work up twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, pun intended. And don't forget, right now, we have a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Trust me, it's worth it. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew is prepared and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. No more awkward doctor visits. All that out the window with BlueChew.com. Again, promo code's locked on. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be right back with our Lockdown crossover with Lockdown Sealers. Take them to church. My nigga wins for love. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. 
Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. We have got Tony Serrano with us from Locked On Steelers. You can find him at Steelers Country on Twitter, as well as LO Steelers for Locked On Steelers. Uh, reach out to them, hit them up, shoot any questions you have when we get closer to the season. Uh, they're a great listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You can find us on Himalaya. Uh, it's a free streaming app. It is now my new favorite streaming app. Go check it out. Hit subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think. Uh, as we kind of roll this along, got a couple more questions. And you mentioned them, which is a good, nice transition. Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, probably one of my favorite outside the Rams wide receivers in the NFL just because of his you know, off-the-field fun, uh, his on-the-field fun. He's a dominant player. He was one of my fantasy MVPs last year. And my concern is talking a little bit fantasy here is will he be able to be the same dude? Uh, you know, he was used to kind of playing in the slot. Now he's got no AB on the other side. He's going to have to play outside a little bit more. I'm sure they're, they'll move him around a little bit. But your thoughts on, you know, can he perform as well as he did last year? Is this not going to be an issue or do you see a little drop off with him this year? It's going to be a really interesting year for Juju. It's really hard to answer, right? Because you can watch his, you can watch all the tape you want and, and try to study him and study his techniques and all that. But every play he's making, you know, he's making on the same field as Antonio Brown, right? And, and that's what's not going to be the case this year. So he's going to be drawing many more double teams. Uh, you know, he's going to be the focal point of this offense, and he's going to be the focal point of every defense trying to defend this offense. And so, um, look, I think he has the release off the line of scrimmage that you want. He's got very deceptive speed. You know, it was, that was the one trait about him coming out of college that teams looked at him and said, ah, I don't know if he has the elite speed. And yet we've seen this guy have two 97-yard touchdown catches in the NFL um, so he certainly got that. I think he can. And like you said, the Steelers are going to do a good job of moving him around. I think he's best in the slot, but they'll certainly move him out to outside receiver. They'll move him around. They'll try to get him in, in matchups, uh, where he can win. I still expect him. He's going to have a big year. I mean, if you're, if you're out there and you're, you're thinking you shouldn't draft Juju, I would in fantasy, I would say, look, he, he this guy is still going to get the majority of the targets in this offense. He's absolutely, um, going to get his looks now, whether or not he's going to, you know, he's going to have, you know, AB like numbers. I don't know about that just yet. We're going to have to see how the rest of this offense shapes up. Is there a number two receiver that can take some of the pressure off of Juju, that kind of thing? Um, that that all remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I still feel comfortable drafting him. And, I mean, we all saw him out here in Southern California. We're very familiar with what he can do when not having an A-B on the field. He's a very talented guy. So we'll see how it kind of unfolds and, and how defense kind of shift around to kind of adjust for that. But uh, we'll jump over to the other side of the ball, uh, looking at the defense of this group. Uh, TJ Watt, I mean, it's funny, the Watt brothers, the Bosa brothers, if you're in the draft and you see any of these guys pop up, just grab one for the namesake alone. Yeah. I know sometimes that's not true, but this is uh, the case with TJ Watt. Uh, he had, what, let's see, five sacks his rookie year or seven sacks his rookie year. Then he had 13 last year. How good can he be this year? And is this going to kind of keep going up? Is that his type of level of play? Is he going to get close to his brother on that style of play on the defense side? 
that's certainly the hope in Pittsburgh. They haven't had a great, you know, Pittsburgh has been known as Blitzburg in the past, right? I mean, this has been a the steel curtain style of defense, get to the quarterback. And this team hasn't had any trouble getting to the quarterback, but they haven't had an elite edge rusher really since Lamar Woodley and James Harrison all the way back in, you know, 2008 to 2010, that era. It's been a while in Pittsburgh. Uh, so Watt has been, it, it's been nice to see. Um, as far as, you know, what are the heights he can get to? One of the things I really like about watching Watt evolve over the last couple of years is that, you know, he's definitely a high effort guy. He, you know, he's, he's always uh, after the quarterback um, and he'll, he'll pick up some sacks that way. He, he kind of picks up the scraps a lot of the time. And that happened um, in the last couple of years. You know, he picked up a lot of sacks against some of the worst offensive lines in the league and some of the worst teams in the league. He picked up a bunch of sacks against the Browns in the past couple of years. But one thing that, that happened towards the end of last season is he started to get more consistent in his pass rush. And it stopped being a, oh, wow, T.J. Watt had three sacks this game. And it started being a, oh, wow, T.J. Watt's getting pressure on almost every play now. And even if he's not getting to the quarterback, quarterbacks are having to start to think about him. And the offensive line is starting to have to think about him on every play. Um, and that consistency is what I think is going to continue into 2019 and what could make him an, have another you know easily double-digit type sack season. I mean, you know, if he were to approach anywhere near 15, that's exactly where the Steelers need him to be. Because on the other side from him, there's Bud Dupree, who's been kind of an average uh, edge rusher to this point. I mean, he kind of, he's around that five or six sack a year mark, and that's not where the Steelers need him to be. They need a dominant presence on the edge. And and it looks like TJ Watt could be that guy. So talking about that defense, uh, you guys went out and grabbed Devin Bush in the first round of the draft this last year. First, uh, we did the locked on draft mock draft. Um, who did you end up taking in your mock draft pick, uh, and how did that kind of compare to which direction they went? I I ended up taking well. So while uh, Devin Bush was off the board by the time I picked, and I didn't move up. The Steelers moved up to ten. I ended up taking Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU, um, who ended up being taken by the Cleveland Browns. So now I have to you know I have to pivot <laughs> entirely on that projection. Um, but no. Uh, so I, yeah, I ended up taking greedy. I, I felt like the Steelers, you know, they need an elite presence at the cornerback spot. They just, you know, they've had such bad luck and, and a bad history of drafting cornerbacks in the past. Most recently it was Artie Burns who now, you know, is he going to make it through training camp? Maybe not. Um, so I felt like an elite corner could be that guy if one of the Devons wasn't there, but you know, by all accounts, the Steelers were targeting either Devin White or Devin Bush the entire process. In fact, their their defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, even came out and told the media a couple weeks ago. He said, look, we wanted one of the Devins, and I'm really happy that uh, Kevin Colbert, the general manager, went up and got him. So, I mean, everyone's everyone's thrilled in Pittsburgh to have gotten Devin Bush. Yeah, and looking at the draft, you guys had a really balanced draft. We talked about, you know, filling in that wide receiver role. You went out in the, in the third round. Uh, got a wide receiver out of Toledo. You're talking about that cornerback. You got Justin Lane out of Michigan State in the third round. Uh, looking at running back, got another running back and Benny Snell Jr. To, out of Kentucky to kind of back up that running back. So a very balanced draft. But overall, looking at it, do you feel good about the way that the Steelers drafted this last uh, this last draft? Great. I felt great. And I think everyone in Pittsburgh was just through them. I mean, you know, you would have thought the Steelers won the Super Bowl on draft night with the reaction, some of the reactions out there in Pittsburgh when it was announced that the Steelers were trading up with the Broncos and, and that they were, you know, ultimately going to take Devin Bush. Um, I, everyone, this team has needed a replacement for Ryan Shazier for like a year and a half now, right? And and they tried to kind of make do last year with guys like John Bostic and they signed Morgan Burnett. And we're going to run this more dime defense with Burnett in the box more. 
Um, and that really didn't work out. Burnett didn't stay healthy. John Bostic was such a liability in coverage that they lost all the athleticism that they had from a guy like Ryan Shazier. They needed to replace that. And they identified, like I said, they identified Devin Bush and Devin White as those guys. They went up and got that with, with uh, their first pick. And, and what's, what's so interesting about that is that this was all made possible because of the fact that Le'Veon Bell left the team and because of the fact that A.B. got traded. They tra- the Steelers traded away their second-round pick because they felt like, well, we got this extra third-round pick, which is the second pick in the third round, so it's, it's basically a second-round pick. So they trade away their second-round pick. They trade away next year's third-round pick because they think they're getting a compensatory pick, a third-round pick, uh, next year for, for losing Le'Veon Bell. So that's what allowed them to move up in the draft and get a guy like Devin Bush. And then, like you said, Deontay Johnson in the third round. You know, I think a lot of people thought that that was a reach at the time. The more, and I just think it's it's because um, I don't th- I don't think a lot of people knew who Deontay Johnson was. But the more tape you watch, this guy, you know, it's funny. People watch his tape and they go, "Wow, this guy seems like a B." And he does, although it's it's hard to make a comparison between a rookie wide receiver and one of the most prolific wide receivers of the past, you know, what seven to ten years, right? Um, but you watch Deontay Johnson, he has the, the same kind of look to him. He's a smaller guy, but he's very quick off the line of scrimmage, very, uh, very good route runner, very crisp in his routes, uh, does remind you of that in some way. And so it will be interesting to watch his growth over the next couple of years. A lot of Steeler fans are, are very excited. We call him the lane train for Justin Lane, uh, nice. the cornerback out of Michigan State. Uh, you know, th- this team is just so ready for a dominant cornerback again. They really haven't had one since Ike Taylor, and they haven't drafted one since you know in, in, a, in a top pick since rod woodson so i mean this, this team has just been uh, so dire need at corner for so many years benny snell like you talked about i think is going to be a great compliment to james connor the one downside of james connor so far has been his injury history there's a lot of talk in pittsburgh about running back by committee this season we shall see uh, but benny snell could play into that role as well Awesome. Great breakdown on all of that. And yeah, looking at the draft from top to bottom, just really balanced draft for the Steelers, filling a lot of holes and kind of getting some uh, secondary guys that can kind of give you some support depending on how things play out with, you know, Juju and Connor and, and looking at, you know, the defense and everything like that. So I like the draft. You guys did a great job there. Uh, what we'll do is we'll step aside. We'll take our last break. We'll be right back. Thursday edition, Lockdown Rams right after this. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, third and final segment. We've got Tony Serino from Locked On Steelers with us. 
Uh, we're talking all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We're looking ahead now in this segment, looking at uh, the schedule. And I want to I want to preference this as this is when I've looked at the Rams schedule and it's come up and we're breaking down game by game and uh, you're doing the win loss total. And every time I come to this game. I always say, and this is a chance for you to kind of tell me I'm an idiot and I'm wrong, or maybe I should be more informed on this, but I feel like the Rams don't go and play on the road against, uh, you know, the Steelers. This is a, this is kind of a, you know, once every once in a while type of a game, right? So I feel like this is the year to have to play at Pittsburgh after kind of losing AB and after the whole running back fiasco and Mike Tomlin and kind of it just seems like things are almost you know holding up by cards right now Uh, but am I wrong is this a good time for the you know defending NFC champs to come into Pittsburgh or are they going to come in and, and have a serious fight on their hands I think the only thing the Steelers have going for them in this game is that this is a West Coast team coming east, and, and that may play into this. Otherwise, you know, Chris, uh, my co-host Chris Carter and I, we did our uh, schedule preview a couple weeks back, and I think we both had the Steelers losing this game. I just think that this is – I look at this game on paper, and I look at the matchups back and forth, right? The Steelers' great offensive line, but then you got Aaron Donald and that great uh, Rams pass rush and all that. And I just – you know, I throw the players out of this. I look at one matchup that I say there's no way the Steelers can win in this way, and that is – the Steelers' defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, against Sean McVay and everything he does uh, with, with the with the Rams' offense. I just think Keith Butler gets outcoached so often, especially against these these elite offenses and these great offensive minds. And I think that's that's how this game is going to play out again. There, if the the only way the Steelers can win this game, I think, is if is if they get pressure on Jared Goff and he and he just shuts down like he did in that Super Bowl game. Uh, or you know the Rams have a weird flight out and they just don't play well. But those are to me the only the, the only two ways. So the Rams are coming off their bye. They're coming back from London. Uh, Sean McVay's two and zero in his early coaching career, coming off a bye. So I don't know how much that really plays into it uh, as far as his record off the bye. But you're right. Um, you know that is the key. If you look back to some of the big games last year, the Bears game. Uh, we always look back to the Eagles game, and they got into Jared Goff's face. They didn't let him get comfortable. They didn't let him set his feet. They didn't let us get into the run game. Uh, they took away the play action. So there's a way to get to the Rams, but you got to have a re- uh, you know pretty good game plan coming into this, and it's it's done on the defensive side of the ball. Your offense really just has to keep up. Defense has to slow down that offense. We'll see what happens. But looking at you guys, you got your bye week at week seven, uh, the first six weeks of the of the schedule. Um, you know, pretty tough. You're looking at New England, it's really tough. <laughs> New England on the road, Seattle at home, at San Francisco, uh, the Bengals, Baltimore, and then at Los Angeles. But the Chargers, um, you come out of the bye, you hit Miami and Indianapolis before you see the Rams coming into Week Ten. Looking at that road to getting to that Week Ten matchup, where what do you hope for the record to be? What do you, what do you see it kind of playing out as at that point? I think I have the Steelers at this point. At I'm trying to remember. Uh, we did the schedule thing like two weeks ago, so I'm trying to remember. I remember this. I remember I, I said on the podcast that the Steelers could very easily go 0-3, and, 3 and the, our, our collective audience lost their mind when I said that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you brought it up, right? Okay, so they have the defending champs on opening day in New England. Now, I, I understand that the Steelers beat the Patriots last year, but that was in Heinz Field, and that was a very strange football game. Um, where the, the Steelers' defense really played out of its mind. It was one of the best defensive performances I've seen from the Steelers in a very long time. When this team goes to – when anyone goes to New England, it's a very different story, um, especially on you know opening day when that, you know, that team's going to be getting their ring. I guess they already got their ring. So, uh, but anyway, you know, they'll be putting up the banner and whatnot. 
Then they, they, they have to face a playoff team in Seattle. Now, that's the home opener. They should win that game, but the Seahawks are, are you know not a team that's going to lay down and, and uh, give one away. Then the Steelers have to go out west, and weird things happen when the Steelers go out west. Um, so this team could very easily be 0-3. I, I forget where I had them. I, I think I had them right around 500 at this point, um, and then losing. I had them losing to the Rams. Uh, it's just that the Steelers have a difficult schedule. They go on the road to San, Franci- to San Francisco and then to L.A. to face the Chargers. I, I think both those games are very easily losable. Like, like I said, you got those first two games, which are two playoff teams, including the defending champs. Both those games are easily losable. The Colts, the week the week prior, I know that's a home game for the Steelers. Um, and then you've got two division games mixed in there with the Bengals and, and Ravens. And yeah, I mean, if the Steelers are 500 going into this, I wouldn't be surprised. If they're above 500, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, a two-loss team coming into this point, that would be fantastic. But I don't see any way that that it's possible given how tough the Steelers schedule is uh, to this point. Yeah, you're right. As you break that down, a lot of West Coast travel. The one good thing is when you come out to Los Angeles down there in Carson where the Chargers play, it might be a home game for you guys knowing how well the Pittsburgh Steelers travel and knowing what we've seen in that stadium in the past. And not to you know get ahead of myself because out here in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, we've seen the Packers come in and I don't want to say take over the stadium, but have a loud presence uh, in an away game. So that, that might be one of those home away games in, in Los Angeles. But again, that Charger, sure. yeah. that Charger team is is really good. So it doesn't matter about who's in the crowd to, to watch the game. Those players in the field definitely have something to say about that. But you mentioned it. You know, the game before the, the Rams is the Colts, which is no easy cakewalk, especially even at home. And then you go on the road, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and then back at home versus Cleveland. So Cleveland, two of the next three games. My question to yeah, you twice is... twice in three weeks. Yeah. Do you have... Are, are you buying into any of the hype that Cleveland's, you know, dishing out, that all the NFL's dishing out as far as this, could, this team can make a run, this team you know, has its eyes on the division. Are you believing that yet? Are you worried about those three-game stretch where you see them twice? I, I, I hate the schedule. I hate the fact that, that the, the, look, my youth was Steelers-Browns, right? I mean, that was, um, that was a, a premier matchup every year, and it's become more and more of a joke, you know, as I get older. So, I, you know, I reminisce about the days when Steelers-Browns meant something, and I am in some ways excited about the fact that there might be this resurgence in Cleveland, and, and they might be a contender again. Now, am I buying into the hype? I think that they can be a, I think they can compete for a playoff spot this year. Absolutely. I mean, they got a loaded roster, top to bottom. I mean, maybe you have questions about their offensive line, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, I think they're they're pretty good everywhere else. Um, so yeah, they're gonna have a very talented roster. Now, the next question though for for the Cleveland Browns is is the expectation and how do you how do you respond to that expectation, right? You know, last year they were winning games because no one expected anything from them. They were an 0-16 team. Right. They, they, you know, I mean, they, they had Baker Mayfield on a you know, as a rookie. They were going out there and shocking teams. And you'll go back and look at their schedule now and, and some of the games that they won. It wasn't very impressive some of the teams that they were beating, but it was just impressive that the Browns were winning football games. Right. right? You know. So now. Okay, now they have expectation. Now all of a sudden, they're supposed to be the best team in the AFC North. They're supposed to compete with some of the better teams in the AFC. Can they do that on a week-to-week basis? And if they don't, and if they stumble along the way, how do they respond to that level of adversity? Those are the questions, you know, the Browns haven't answered yet, and I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. Now, I hate the fact that the Steelers-Browns is going to be twice in three weeks because, you know, when you play a team that close together, injuries play such a part in it, right? If if one player is going to miss a couple games, you know, or going to miss a couple weeks in that schedule— He's going to miss both of those. I mean, let's say Ben goes down with an injury, right? He could miss both of those Browns games or, or Mayfield. And that just kind of ruins both matchups. And so 
you know, in, in a Steelers-Browns rivalry that seems to be renewed, I wish they would have spread it out. Um, one of them is a Thursday game. I hate Thursday night football. Yeah. Um, that, so that I mean, it's just everything they could do to ruin Steelers Browns <laughs> in 2019. It feels like the NFL did everything they could to take away some of the uh, you know, some of the uh, the resurgence there. Yeah, and Week Nine through Week Thirteen really might just be a glimpse into what this season holds at the end of the season because I mean, you're talking about the matchups of Colts. Uh, Rams, the Cleveland on the Thursday night. I, I didn't catch that when I first looked at it. The short turnaround after those two tough games on the road, then coming back and hitting two more uh, division opponents before kind of finishing out. Thankfully, you get Arizona after that. You hope at week 14, Arizona might not be as as uh, dangerous as people, you know, I don't think a lot of people have them as dangerous, but uh, that's a team you want to see after that long stretch. But uh, so looking at it, coming up to week 17, what's what's your outlook for this team? I had what I had. I believe I had this team going either ten and six or eleven and five, right around there. I mean, I think that that's I think that's somewhat realistic. Um, if, if they, you know, because they have a uh, a really favorable schedule down the stretch, right? You know, you talked about coming off of that, coming out of that second game against the Browns. You got the the Cardinals, Bills, Jets, Ravens. Those are all very winnable games. Now, three of the four of them are on the road, um, but I think that you know, Mike Tomlin teams usually start a little slow and then you know finish really strongly. Um, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen last year. But other than that, that's usually how a Tomlin team operates. And I think when you look at how this team, you know, the, the, how the roster is constructed, it is certainly built to be a team that is going to have some troubles early. You know, how does this? How does this uh, offense operate without Antonio Brown? Who's going to be that number two guy? And those things will kind of emerge as the year goes on. And I think this offense will start to click. You know, how they're going to use a guy like Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels in addition to James Conner. And then you look at the defensive side and some of the young pieces that they added there, like like a Devin Bush. Uh, how does he get worked into the defense? What what new wrinkles can they add because of him? Um, and then guys, new guys like Mark Barron and Steven Nelson and them coming into their own in that second half of the year. I do look for this team to have a better second half of the year than first half, and that's why I'm a little more optimistic having them, uh, you know, with a with a winning record at either ten and six or eleven and five. So I'll finish uh, our little chat here with this question I've been kind of throwing to everyone that I have on the podcast here. And it's kind of fill in the blank. Uh, It could be a a record prediction or where you fall in the division. But if the Steelers season ends in blank, it was a disappointment. I think if the Steelers season ends and they the Browns win the division, I think if the Browns win the division, it was a disappointment. Yeah. I like it. I think that's what that's what no Steeler fan wants to yeah. is that this team didn't win the division and the Browns did. And everything that's been said during the offseason was true. I need to have like a side segment here where I release my guess because I've been kind of guessing what people are going to say and what their disappointments would be. And that's actually what I had for you guys was is it, is it wasn't going to be a win loss thing. It was going to be if the stinking Browns had uh, land above us, then that's a disappointment. And I think that's fair, you know, especially as you talked about. Uh, yes, they've got some talent. But you, you looking back last year, they were. We were talking about a team that now is talked about in this, you know, Super Bowl odds when you're talking about certain teams. They're mentioning the Browns. And last year, if they won a ball game, they got free beer. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. so far yeah. how, how far we've come and crappy beer. Right. We get that. But, uh, man, it is it's funny how, how far it's turned and, and the Steelers are sitting here putting in the work. So we'll see how that it's going to be fun for us NFL fans as we watch. And you talk about. For the Steelers, it's a tough three weeks there. But for NFL fans outside of that division, it's going to be some lot of good football. Especially, you like to see 
at least I'm not a fan of the Thursday night football either, but at least if you get some good matchups like that one, I'm tuning in. I probably have a fantasy player or two, so it uh, should be exciting. But hey, Tony, I appreciate you joining the show and coming on and chatting with us. Guys, don't forget to go give him a follow at Steelers Country on Twitter, as well as LO Steelers for Lockdown Steelers. Uh, look forward to talking to you when we get closer to the season and, and into, into the games. Uh, we'll redo this and uh, have a great chat. Best of luck. Stay healthy. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, man. This was fun. All right, Rams Nation. You know what it is. Until next time. Peace. My nigga wins for love. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.